quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. I'm Michelle, recovering yeller, control freak, and perfectionist. I didn't want to be a connected parent, but my strong and smart oldest daughter would not succumb to my bribes, threats, and manipulations. After years of control parenting, I threw it all out and started over. I doubled down on the idea of connective parenting and turned in time out for time in. It's taken me years to figure out how to unknot sticky situations without using punishments, but I've finally cracked the code and now I can help you create the relationship with your child that you dreamt of having when you first decided to become a parent. It's not easy letting go of star charts and bribes, but you can change. Listen in as we interview parents just like us who found success and hear from experts who will help us better understand how to form a deep bond with our children. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle and I have lovely guest Gita here today to talk to us all about food. And I just want you to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do and where you are and tell us one thing that's going well in your world today. So welcome to the show, Gita. Thank you so much, Michelle. Yeah, to start where one thing that's going well for me right now is that in our house right now, we are super excited because we have two birthdays coming up. So we are in birthday excitement mode, I can tell you. I remember from my own childhood that birthdays, that were just the most magic time of year. So I'm trying to pass on that to my kids. And lovely. it's really, yeah, so that's working well for us right now. Very lovely. So tell us who are you and what do you do and why are you here? Yeah, well, my name is Gita and I am a mom of three daughters and I live in Charleston, South Carolina with my husband and my three daughters. I'm actually a psychologist and, but back in the days I used to work with anxious children. So, you know, help them cope with their anxiety and help them, you know, overcome whatever fears they had. But for the past few years, I've been consumed with mealtimes and the dynamics around mealtimes and families and what's going on the moment where we sit at the table trying to have nice and relaxed meals, because often that's not really what's, what's happening, right? So I've kind of used my psychological background there to address these issues in that field of mealtimes. And I found that that pickiness is often not about food. It's about our parenting and the food environment that we are giving to or that we are approaching our mealtimes with. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. And the reason why I started digging into this in the first place was that my youngest daughter, who is a very strong-willed, I can say, 
is, you know, one of those spirited children that, well, they will definitely make it clear what they want and what they don't want. And when she started, you know, I think it was around the age of 18 months or two years, maybe, she just started to tell me what she did not want at mealtimes. And she wouldn't succumb to my controlling approach or my bribes or my manipulation, my threats and all of that. And that just made me realize I don't have any tools to really handle this. And I felt like I've always been very passionate about gentle parenting, respectful parenting, conscious parenting, all of that. And I also felt like once we sat down at the dinner table, all of that just went to the wayside. I was just like, I became this monster mom who just wanted them to finish the plate and taste this, do this, do that, or you won't get dessert or whatever I would say, right? I don't think that's uncommon. I think a lot of us get wound up around food because I don't know, maybe it's becomes from the baby stage where we had to make how much milk are they drinking? Are they getting enough? And we were so obsessed with this feeding thing because we wanted our kids to thrive. But I think as they get older, we get so, I have a lot of parents who will get really tight around food and it's a really interesting dynamic. I think you're, you're not alone. (laughs) No, absolutely not. And that's what I realized too, that so many families out there are really struggling with this and what they call pickiness and all those mealtime struggles and how to make our kids eat. And the problem is that when we are at our wit's end, you know, at mealtimes, we start implementing some strategies that are really not very good if we want our kids to have a healthy relationship with food. Mm -hmm. So that's really how I got into this. So my youngest daughter was really the one that taught me a lot of things and who really started my interest in this field. And that made me do all the research that was around this field Mm -hmm. and gave me this whole new perspective on mealtimes. So now I've created an online course teaching parents how to apply respectful parenting at mealtimes. So give us something. Give us what you think are the best ideas behind getting our kids to eat or relaxing around eating so that it isn't so... I think that's it too. It's just like, let's not make it so stressful. Exactly. And that's the best thing of it. Then when you start doing things differently, you can actually step back as a parent and you can start relaxing and enjoying your mealtimes and actually connect with your kids at mealtimes because I think that's the most important goal we have at mealtimes mm-hmm. is to connect. Because mm-hmm. if we do that, not only will our kids be relaxed enough to eat more, we will also, all our values will trickle down to them. That's the place where we civilize and socialize our kids. Mm-hmm. All of that, there are so many benefits of, of sitting down at shared family dinners with our kids, really. As I said, I mean, one of my first realization here was that a lot of times we parents think that mealtimes are either parents control everything or kids control everything. We tend to like say, okay, it's either or. If we think that parents control everything, we usually step in with our control toolbox. We start to bribe, we start to threaten, we start to shame them, we start to say one more bite, we start to say finish your plate or else, something like that, right? So we start to control them. The other path to go down is kids decide everything. Kids control everything. That's when we start to serve them kid-friendly meals like nuggets or mac and cheese and all of that. Every time they demand something, they just get it. And I think that both of these paths are unfortunate because they're not going to really create that healthy relationship with food for our kids. Mm -hmm. And there is another way because if we dare to remove the pressure and the control, there are really so many other tools we can use that are still within the frame of conscious and gentle and respectful parenting. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I initially learned 
was that, and that had actually nothing to do with my youngest daughter. That had to do with something that I had always done and that I too had been, you know, exposed to when I was a kid, being called picky, like mm. the label picky, picky. It's just really something that I never really thought about. But when remembering my own childhood, I was like, yeah, I was called picky too. And that was really not very nice. No. And when calling my oldest daughter, especially picky, I also saw how she cringed and she was really she got ashamed of herself in a way. And that's how I started thinking about this, like, okay, I'm actually food shaming her right now. So that was one of the first things that I really started to realize here that we need to change our mealtime vocabulary and we need to start emphasizing a more positive angle around food and around the behavior we want to see. We've got to emphasize that and focus on that behavior instead of focusing on the behavior that we don't want to see. The label picky, it just, it needs to go. That's one of my first realizations here yeah. because it's really just food shaming. I think you're you right. Know, I've it too. I said, I think you're right. Pickies, it's not nice it when you think really about nice. it. And I mean, I think I've used it too, and, but I don't think it's nice. I think it's, it might pigeonhole your kid into being picky because you're like, oh, this is their labeled self-fulfilling prophecy, like any of the labels. And so- like a narrative about themselves. And when we think about that, it's really- not only is it demeaning and humiliating, it's also self-fulfilling. So it's going to create this picky narrative about themselves. So when they go out into the world or just sitting at our dinner table, they're going to probably be even more picky or be even more rejecting of food because that's what they think of themselves. That's mm -hmm. what we taught them. Yeah. But not only that, I mean, that label, it needs to go because it's also a very unfortunate simplification oftentimes because... When our kids reject food at the dinner table, there could be so many reasons for it. They could be tired or they could be overwhelmed with the food that's on the table because sometimes we just fill up their plates with all kinds of food and we think, yeah, at least there must be something you like. But sometimes they're really just overwhelmed by that. Mm -hmm. Or it could be that they had their heart set on something else. Mm -hmm. That's not what they wanted today. Or as a mom just pointed out to me recently on my Instagram uh, profile, Real Food Hero, she said, yeah, or it could be that we don't cook, you know, that well. So, and that too, of course, <laughs> could be a reasonable explanation too. Yeah. Or we don't have a variety of food. It's the same thing all the time. I know when Emma first started eating, I wasn't a cook at all. And I think I served her pasta every night for weeks. And I was, I kept thinking to myself, I better figure out, figure out how to cook here exactly. because this child's going to, that's all she's ever going to eat. Exactly. And yeah. pasta, I feel like we've been there too. I think all of my kids have always loved pasta and they still do. Yeah. But fortunately, they love all the other food types that we serve them too now. But back in the days, it was pasta too. That was my go-to. Yeah, it's hard. The other thing I hear, hear a lot of parents have trouble with is dinner time, especially, always ends up being this like, nobody wants to come to the table. Nobody wants to sit in their chair. Nobody wants to settle down. They all are hyper and all over the place and running around the house and they're often, I think, disconnected because if we are kind of obsessed with food and feeding our kids this nourishing food, we're also obsessed with cooking it and preparing it. And so oftentimes that takes us away from our kids for quite some time. And they are kind of left on their own to some degree to play on their own or be on their own a little bit. And by the time we get to dinner time, they're so empty as far as the connection piece that I don't even think that it might not even have anything to do with so much with the, it could be, but this could also contribute to it that they're not in a good place to be sitting and eating and trying new things and exploring different tastes and that they're not connected enough to even consider that. And that is spot on 
well, both for my own situation here, because that's exactly what we encountered back then when we were trying to make this work. And I think sometimes it's about, well, some kids sit there with their iPads just prior to going to the dinner table. So when we come and say, hey, it's dinner time, they are being interrupted in something that they really want to do, or they were in the middle of something. And we tend to not understand that or validate that, Mm -hmm. which to me, I think the solution here is to maybe not let them watch iPad just prior to having dinner, but try to put in some connection time just prior to dinner. How to do that? Because we're in the middle of cooking. So how to do it? I mean, one of the solutions to that could be to involve them in cooking, like have them stand on a stool just next to you or sit on the counter or whatever, and just help out or watch you do whatever you do while you talk about maybe the food or how the veggies uh, are or where they came from or how they taste or whatever, or just about their day, really. So use those times to connect with your child before you sit down because that will calm them down a little bit and make them more, well, prepare them for what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, whenever you can build in connection, everything always goes better. I tell my clients and I did myself, I would cook dinner and then I would leave it in the kitchen and I would go play with the kids for no more than 10 minutes. And sometimes our dinner was cold and sometimes that's okay, but it made mealtime so much better because we were connected and they felt better and they got some time with me. I felt better too, because I was always rushing around trying to get dinner and this, and we got to get at the table and was always on this like weird schedule that I thought I had to have in my head too. I think we get stuck there. Like we have to get dinner at seven because we have to get bath at eight because we have to get bed at nine. And if we don't, it's all ruined and our lives are over. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I totally hear you. And you're right. And it's also, so if we spend a lot of time in the kitchen preparing this food for them and they reject it, we sometimes get super frustrated. It's like, okay, I spent hours on this and you're not even going to taste it. What's wrong with you? Come on. You just at least need to show me that respect or whatever, right? Yeah. And that's when we are really going on with them and what they want and where they are, because sometimes just sitting down and just let them take out the pressure. I'm all about taking out the pressure and the control at mealtimes, because Mm -hmm. what I've found is that when we do that, when we have the courage to actually do that, and I mean, thoroughly do it, not just say that we're doing it and then still exert control in our own little subtle ways. Mm -hmm. When we actually sit down and just sit there and say, okay, what's on the table is something that I've decided as a parent, that's within my control. I decide what's served. You decide what you eat. That's Ellen Satter who said that. But if you follow that, I feel like we are actually taking out the pressure already because Mm -hmm. anybody who tried to put the food into a toddler's mouth who doesn't want to knows how a mouth can be shut. It can be pretty tight. And you can't get any food in their mouth if they don't want to eat. And we shouldn't. It needs to be up to them. It has to be totally their decision what to eat from the table. Are you looking for ways to parent without yelling or threatening? Do you crave to understand connection and how to use it in everyday practice with your children? Is remaining calm a challenge and staying away from shame hard? I can be helpful. I've been there and I've also helped so many parents overcome their parenting challenges with my one-on-one programs of either six, eight, or 10 weeks. We dive into what's specifically difficult in your own family and I tailor ways to help you remedy them using connection instead of conventional parenting methods. Go to www.peaceandparentingla.com forward slash private hyphen sessions 
and find out more about my private one-on-one courses. I'd love to see you there. What do you say? I get this question too. Well, what if they don't need anything? What if they don't need anything? We need to accept that. Because what we need to understand is that our kids up to a certain age, until the point where we start to mess with their intuitiveness, they are actually pretty intuitive eaters. Mm -hmm. They are almost 100% intuitive eaters until the age of two or three. And the reason why they start not being it from that age, well, it has to do with evolution and how we start to be more reluctant to take in foods that we don't know. But it Mm -hmm. definitely also has to do with the fact that we as parents start to pressure them. Mm -hmm. And you know that the things that happen, the dynamics around that, and if we pull out the pressure from that and we say, okay, if they don't want to eat, they don't want to eat. It's their choice. And do you let them eat after mealtime is over? That's interesting. I'm glad you asked that because back in the days I was like, yeah, well, we eat at dinner time and that's it. We, there will be no more servings and you will have to go hungry to bed. And to me, when looking at respectful parenting and gentle parenting and putting this into the frame of that, I just don't think that's very respectful. And I don't think that's a very good way to approach this. But I will say that I don't say, well, you can just have anything and whenever you want it. So we have this zone that we have at dinner, especially. So we eat at dinner and then my little one might say, well, I don't want what's on the table. And I'm like, okay. So usually she digs in after all. And if she doesn't, or if she just takes one bite, I know, okay, she can't really be that full. But then we have this option of a late night bite, which is, could be like just before they go to bed when they say, oh, I'm a bit hungry, mom. And then the secret to the late night bite is to not make it too interesting, to not make it too exciting, and also to not make it something that they're lucky to get. Mm-hmm. So just take out all the excitement of it. Don't give it too much airtime. Just let them know that there is this option. And again, by not making it too interesting, I mean... For us, it's half a banana or it's oat with uh, cold milk on it. Mm -hmm. That's how interesting it gets, right? And they know that. They rarely do, almost never ask for it. But if they get hungry before bedtime, that's the options. So if you have kids who don't eat at mealtimes or who don't eat at dinner time, I would say, yeah, well, you know, this is what we have right now. I wouldn't serve it then. I wouldn't serve it at dinner like the half banana or the oat milk or whatever, or the oat with milk. But I would... Let them know that, okay, well, if you decide not to eat now, this is what we have. That's it. And we're going to leave the table in a minute. There will be another option to get some food before you go to bed or else we eat tomorrow. Yeah, I like that. Fairly, fairly quickly pick up on that, actually. Mm -hmm. Well, I like how it's not so appetizing. I always say you can have some vegetables. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That will work too, right? I will cook you up some vegetables right now. (laughs) Exactly. But you also maybe don't want to, put too much effort into it because you don't want right. to eat go to cook again. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I like that. What about dessert? Dessert and the relationship with sweets and treats. I think that's a really interesting topic because to me, I come from a family where my mom, she was obsessed with sweets and treats. And she had this relationship with treats where she would have to empty everything out. If it was in the house, she'd empty it out. She was obsessing about it. And for me, it's been important that we don't guess that my kids are not going to follow in that direction because I think that was just so devastating to her. And she was always dieting and stuff like that. So I feel like, okay, sweets and treats, that's really something that I needed to find out what my own opinion would be about that. And I know that a lot of dietitians these days, they say, well, to neutralize the power of desserts and sweets and treats and stuff, put it on the plate Mm -hmm. every day, just 
put a little gummy bear on the plate or give a little cookie or whatever. And to me, I got to be honest, I don't do that. And I don't do that for that reason that I think we still need to separate what's food and what's not. And to me, treats and sweets and stuff like that, that's not really food. It's not that they can't have it because they can. We actually, in our house, we have this Friday candy tradition. So we usually do 10 little pieces of candy on Fridays with a TV show that we're all going to sit down and watch. So that way they know that they're going to get what they want on Fridays. And we might during the week, we might do ice cream or we might do a cake or whatever. But candy is for Fridays because that's the tradition that we have. And they're not really asking for it during the week. They know that there's a place for that. There's a time for that. We might have other things, but it's not that. And we're not putting it on the plate. It's not that I want to say that, that people shouldn't do that. Well, if they want to experiment with that, then I think they should go ahead. I'm just saying that for us, that is not the way that we're doing it. And I think that wouldn't work for us. I think it really works for us perfectly with having foods in one place. And then we have the sweets and treats for other times occasionally. Yeah. I think yeah. that's good too. And I think there's good options out there. I think people are reevaluating the idea of if you finish your food, you can have a treat, which I think ultimately just bribery, right? Because the kid is finished. Yeah, they don't listen to their inner food clock or gauge yeah. because they're like, I'm going to muscle through this food so I can get to my dessert. And then my nanny, my old nanny used to tell me she would come and I would feed the kids and she would eat everything on her plate. And I was like, oh my gosh, Goli, you're my favorite. Like you eat everything. She made me feel so good. Like it was so delicious. And she said, no, my mom used to make me eat. And so now I don't know when to stop. And it really hit me then like, oh my goodness, you're right. And I feel like that's just such an important point because one thing is the relationship we have with sweets and treats. Another thing is what we parents often do is to bribe our way through things with sweets and treats or cookies or ice cream or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think using food as a tool is something we need to step away from because I think there are many examples of this. One thing is bribing with it, like saying, okay, if you finish your plate, then you can have dessert. Mm -hmm. Another thing is doing emotional regulation with sweets and treats, like, oh, you got a boo-boo. Oh, you need a cookie because that's going to help you feel better. Yeah. Or even the body training. I think I'll give you the M&M if you pee in the toilet. I, I mean, I get it. Listen, our motives are not necessarily bad, right? We have this goodness in us that we want to elicit something from our child that we know is going to be good for them. But we do it in a way that they start to ignore, even with the potty training, they start to ignore their own internal gauge about when and if they have to use the potty and same with the food. And it doesn't come from a bad place, but it ends up being kind of a thing that's not really manageable. Yeah, exactly. I agree. And I think that what's special here is also that what we do when we emotionally regulate things with treats, we are also saying, we're kind of sending the message to them that when you have bad feelings, just comfort yourself with candy or sweets or whatever. And that is really something that we need to stop doing because in the long term, that can be very, very devastating and pretty dangerous because we do that as kids. Chances are we're going to do it as adults too. So if we feel upset, we might start eating ice cream because we know it could make ourselves feel good again. Right. And we're teaching our kids bribery, right? So really in all this, they're learning that bribery is the way in which I can get something I need or want or desire. And so they may not use it with food or they might say like, I'll give you this cupcake if you're my friend or if you play with me or whatever it is. And so we're really ultimately teaching them to bribe. 
Yes, exactly. And that's very unfortunate. I agree with that. No. It's really, yeah. We don't mean to. Society has done us no favors. <laughs> and that's exactly what I want to say, because I don't want to shame anybody out there. I've been you know, doing many of Me these too. things myself. And I feel like we need to take the shame out of it because we're all going to fall into these traps and, and mistakes we're going to make. And we need to make those mistakes in order for us to learn. Yeah. But yeah, I think knowing that there are other options, but sometimes we just don't know because that's how society has taught us. To yeah. Do. Society's just said kids will do X, Y, and Z. And yeah. so we feel this pressure that our kids should act in X, Y, and Z ways, or we're not good parents. We haven't given them everything they need and we're somehow failing and we're wrong and we're not doing our job as I, what I think happens when we have a kid sit down and you prepare this beautiful meal and they turn their nose up at it. You think you failed. Exactly. You think you failed. And also what's happening often is that we have families and friends and they are like, Oh wow. Are they only going to sit there and just eat pasta? Or don't yeah. they make them eat other things? And they put pressure on you. And it's like, it's really hard. And I'm thinking to myself, I remember somebody like saying to me, so your daughter, is she only going to eat meatballs? And I'm like, well, it didn't even occur to me that that was wrong. But when she said that, I was like, oh yeah, I better yeah. eat veggies too, because that's what we need to do. Yeah. And I also like to think of nutrition as like this thing that's maybe a week long or 10 days long, or that they don't need everything in every meal, every time, because they will live. And it took a long time for me to get there. I was like, no, you got to eat your vegetables, eat your vegetables, you know? And then I, my pediatrician told me, she's like, it's okay if they don't eat their vegetables every day. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. Like, I, feel, <laughs> I can breathe. Thank you. <laughs> you know? Sometimes I feel like that approach that you're referring to here, it's called the nutritionist approach. The idea that we need the nutrients are what's important in food. And of course, it is important that we feed our kids nutritionally well. But the problem with that is that if it's going to be pressure put on ourselves to always serve yeah. fats and proteins and this and that and oh we need to attend to the iron levels too and oh my god because that's when food becomes this huge science that we don't necessarily intuitively know anything about so we need to look it up or we need to we need help to do it and i think no we don't actually we don't need help if we just make some rational good choices healthy choices with wholesome foods we're going to be fine yeah i think now, you're right we don't need all of it at the same in every meal their bodies know what they need and when they need it. If we stop messing with them, yeah. stop controlling and pressuring them. Yeah, you're so right. I love this conversation. It's good. I learned some good things. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Is there anything else that you want any us to know about food or meal times? I think one of the things that I want to say in the end here is that empowering our kids at meal times is one of the things that I think is really, really important. And I think. Dealing with pickiness and mealtime struggles is about so much more than having our kids eat their veggies. Of course, that would be a nice side effect too, but we need to go for the healthy relationship with food in the long run. So like, you know, that's why I created this word, the food hero and my Instagram page and everything and the course I have, because I think what we need is to start looking at this differently. We need to start emphasizing that this is a journey and this is a process and this is if we emphasize the courage and to taste and to smell and to touch and to do all these things with food, then we are actually enabling and empowering our kids in terms of that they want to do these things at yeah. the time. They're going to be yeah. curious about food. And that's what's going to create this 
long-term healthy relationship with food. It's not about having them eat their veggies here and now. If we put too much energy into that, we're not going to create the foundation for them to have a healthy relationship with food. Yeah, that's so good. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I like how you say don't force them. We can't force them to do anything, really. No, we have to, really. and we shouldn't because it doesn't no, feel it doesn't we, feel good for us or them. Exactly, that's true. It just doesn't. And lastly, I just wanted to say that for your listeners out there who might be interested in this, I'd love to give a thirty percent off on my online course. That's called Real Food Here in Four Weeks, and the coupon code I think well you can put it in the notes as you said, but it's a piece. So for your listeners out there. Great. Awesome. That's so exciting. I want to check it out too. We'll put it in, we'll link it. We'll link your Instagram and your course and the peace code in the show notes. And we can find you at... Well, on Instagram, you can find me at Real Food Hero. And on my website is nordicfamilytable.com slash food hero. Great. Thank you, Gita, so much for coming on the show. I love everything you had to say. And it was so great for me to learn a bunch of things. So thank you. Oh, that's great. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Well, thanks for joining us on the Peace and Parenting podcast. And we will see you next time.